0: This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reineck. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. A few weeks ago, we got the flurry of 13F filings that we get every quarter. Now, these are the updates from the hedge funds and the money managers about what they're invested in. But among them, of course, are the Berkshire Hathaway filings. And we've discussed some of these holdings in the past when they've done the 13F filings, because, of course, we like to follow along with and see what Warren Buffett is doing in the Berkshire portfolio. And so we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, um, especially the part about him owning all those airline stocks. Why does he own them? I still want to know. I can understand one, but why? Why is there more than one? But anyways, that's not what this podcast is about, uh, the airline stocks, but he's also been doing some other um, interesting things in the portfolio now. So we all know about his Apple position, which he added a couple of years ago now, and then he's been adding to his position in that. Uh, But now Buffett has accumulated big positions in another industry, and this is getting some of the buzz, and that is in the banks. So he started new positions in two banks in the third quarter, JP Morgan Chase, which is ticker JPM, and PNC Financial, which is ticker PNC. So for JP Morgan, Berkshire bought 4 billion dollars worth of those shares. That was just a 1.1 stake in that bank though cuz it's it's the huge one. So even 4 billion wasn't a huge position. Um, and then they also spent 829 million in PNC, but PNC is a smaller bank, so that was just a 1.3 percent share, but only the 8 829 million. So interesting um, investments there. But he also added a further six billion to his Bank of America position, and so he now owns 25 billion in Bank of America. And he's also been a long-term shareholder in Wells Fargo, which many of you know, but he actually sold a little bit of those shares in the third quarter, but he still has a $23 billion stake there. And he's been real loyal to Wells Fargo all the way since the financial crisis. And even in the recent PR fiasco crises that they've been having, he's pretty much maintained that large position there. So Berkshire now owns stake in seven out of the 10 largest banks in the United States. And those are, um, in addition to these ones I have said, so the seven banks are Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank Corps, that's U.S.B., Goldman Sachs, the ticker there is G.S., then PNC Financial Now that he just bought. That's PNC. Bank of New York Mellon. That ticker is BK, JP Morgan, JPM is the ticker there. And then Bank of America, BAC. And he also owns another bank that isn't among the 10 largest. But um, I'm not really surprised once I looked up what this bank was. So Berkshire also owns a stake in MT Bank. That's M as in Mary, and and T, as in Tracy. M&T Bank, the ticker there is MTB, as in boy, and they are out of Buffalo. So they were founded in 1856. So they've been around for forever in Buffalo. They have a market cap of 23 billion. So they are a pretty sizable size bank. But if you don't live in the Buffalo area, you may not have ever heard of them like I, I had not. They do pay a dividend of 2.4%. But Buffett over the years has bought quite a few number of businesses in Buffalo, including, didn't he own the newspaper there, I believe? And now he has this position in this bank. And then Berkshire actually owns other financials as well. They have a stake in Travelers. They have a stake in Moody's. They have a stake in Synchrony Financial, which is the credit card business. And he has a really big position in American Express. That's worth $16 billion, And it's about, I think, 17% of the of of the shares there in American Express. So I know a lot of Buffett Watchers are sitting up and taking notice of these new positions because he actually added 13 billion into the banks and the financials. This quarter, that's pretty sizable. He has a lot of cash sitting there and he's decided he has to do something with it because he's not finding any acquisitions. So a lot of this money has been flowing into the banks. Should value investors be surprised that he bought some new bank stocks this quarter? No, he really shouldn't be because we've been talking about the banks all year on the podcast. And um, even including the ones he bought, J.P. Morgan and PNC Financial, I know I've covered them um, at least once on the podcast. And various banks keep popping up on all of my screens, so we know their values. But I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into some of what their valuation and the estimates look like because this tells you why he's buying them. So J.P. Morgan, again, the ticker is JPM. That has a forward PE of 11.7, so it's cheap. The earnings picture is super strong. 2018 earnings growth of 35%. Some of that was from the corporate tax cuts, but looking forward to 2019, again, 8.5% gain again in 2019. So this is pretty much tremendous earnings growth for a sector like the banks, Um, over 40%. Growth here, and it pays a dividend yielding 2.9%. So that's pretty nice. Now, again, I said this is one of the biggest of the banks. Obviously, they have a market cap of 374 billion. So this is a big one, and that's why um, his position isn't super huge yet in it because even 4 billion it hardly made a dent in um, the number of shares outstanding in this one. And then let's switch over to PNC. That one, also fairly cheap. PE is 12.6 there. Similar growth story, 2018, 26.6% earnings growth. 2019, 6.7% earnings growth. Dividend yield, 2.8 here. And it has a $62 billion market cap, which again is why he bought a smaller, um, spent less money buying the shares, but it's about an equivalent position overall in PNC. Then I took a look at Bank of uh, America, since he did a big, almost $6 billion stake there. So that position is now 8.9% of the company. And they have a market cap of $282 billion, So that's really sizable there. PE is just 10.8 with this bank. Earnings growth, 2018, 39%, and then 2019, 11.5%. So over the two-year time period, over 50% earnings growth. That's pretty impressive. For a stodgy old bank, dividend yield is 2.2, so a little lower than the other two banks, but still pretty nice, over 2% there. So the problem I have with these purchases is that Berkshire can basically only buy shares in the largest banks. That's why it now owns shares in seven of the 10 largest banks, because it's so big and has so much cash that his hands are basically tied. I know many of you want to follow Buffett and Berkshire and you want to follow it trade by trade. um, But if you do, you're only really investing in the old Warren Buffett, but, Buffett himself would likely say, don't do it. Don't buy all of my trades in Berkshire um, trade by trade. Because as I've talked about before, he's even said how he wishes he was 45 years old again. Um, That was a couple of years ago when the stocks were a lot cheaper, but he was wishing he was back in his 40s because as a 40-something investor, you're still young enough that you have several decades left to invest So you're getting in cheap. You can let that money run and grow for several decades. That has always been Warren Buffett's goal. And so he's excited at the thought of that, but he's not 45 anymore. So time is no longer on his side, but it is on those of you who are on the younger side. And... Um, also Berkshire back when he was in his forties just wasn't as big. It didn't have the huge cash hoard sitting there. He had a lot more options in terms of what he could buy back in his forties. He might've been able to buy some of the smaller companies. Um, and he has some of those in his own portfolio, like the C's Candy, um, the furniture company that's in Omaha. Some of those were bought in his much younger years, And that $4 billion that he just put into J.P. Morgan, let's just say he wanted to buy smaller banks with that instead of J.P. Morgan. Sure, he could do that. But that $4 billion would have netted him maybe four to 10 larger community banks, and he would have bought them outright. He, or for sure, stakes of like 10, 20, 30% in the banks. Um, So there's some regulatory issues with that once he's a big shareholder in these institutions. And if he bought them outright, obviously he's running them. Berkshire is, you know, including them completely into its portfolio of businesses, which it owns many others outright. But to own the banks outright um, is another whole ball of wax with certain regulations. Um, They're highly regulated industry industry. And uh, it's unclear if Berkshire would even want to own them outright. So he just wants to invest in the banking story, the cheapness there and the earnings growth. So that really only leaves them with the big bank choices. But the smaller banks are really where the big gains are going to be. A younger Buffett, I believe, would have gone after some of the smaller banks, would have been investing into those and... So he cannot, but you can. You can invest like a young Buffett. Don't necessarily invest solely as the old one. Now, that being said, I do like a lot of the large banks right now. And I do think in, uh, value investors should own some of the large banks. I own JP Morgan in the value investor portfolio that I run here at Saks. We bought it last year, I think it was. So we've owned it for a while. And so I do like that story. We also... um, have the ability though to to go beyond what Buffett can do, and we can buy um, a lot of other size banks in that portfolio, and so can you. I don't think any of you have the billions of dollars in cash sitting around, the problem that Warren Buffett has. So we have other options. Now I am kind of surprised that one of my favorite banks is not yet in his portfolio, but it just could be a size issue. And that is Comerica. The ticker is CMA. I've talked about it off and on over the last couple of months, um, both in some videos and top stock pick videos. And um, I'm not sure if I've covered it on the podcast before, to be honest, but Comerica CMA, its PE is 11.2 right now. So right in line with a lot of the other banks and. Um, Earnings growth, similarly super bullish, 51% growth this year, 2018. And then another 12% in 2019. So you're looking at 63% earnings growth in the two-year time period, if this holds. Uh, That's pretty crazy and pretty incredible with a dividend yield of 3% here. Now, their market cap is about $13 which is probably one of the reasons why Warren Buffett can't be in there. They're headquartered in Texas. They have a lot of branches in Michigan though. So if any of you are in Michigan, you know Comerica there. And then they're in a couple of other areas too. But I like the banks that are in um, states that are turning it around or that are uh, real hot right now, like Texas is. So I like that it's uh, focused on the Texas region. And um, like I said, that tremendous earnings growth makes me really bullish about this bank. But um, I I took a look at a couple of other ones and another regional bank you might want to consider, which is also in a hot area, is called Western Alliance. The ticker is WAL. I used to own this one in the Insider Trader because insiders have been buying in this bank as the sell-off and the shares has gone on. They're in Arizona and the West. Their P, similar story, 11.5. Their earnings growth for 2018, again, similar story, 32% for 2018, another 12% in 2019, just like Comerica. The only difference here is size. This market cap is about $5 billion, so much smaller. So for sure, Buffett could not probably be buying into this one. He could have bought it outright. He could have taken a $6 billion from, from Bank of America and just bought Western Alliance. But again, that's not his goal right now. And this one also, no dividend. So I know a lot of you want the dividend with the banks. So that's one negative with Western Alliance is that you're basically just buying in for the earnings growth story here. And um, it's pretty cheap, so that's a good combination, but no added bonus of that dividend. Now, these are banks with double-digit earnings growth, which I it's hard for me to keep saying that because you don't expect to see that with the quote-unquote boring industry like the banks. But um, this is really the big story going into 2019, I feel. And um, if you really want that growth then you may have to go even smaller than Comerica and Western Alliance, which are kind of like the medium-sized regional banks. And I'm talking about banks that might have market caps as low as $500 million, up to $2 billion or so. Let's just put it in around that area. But how do you find these banks? That's a lot harder because there's a lot of them. And there's a lot that are publicly traded, actually. So... To be honest, I've run across some of the quality smaller community type banks while running the insider trader because suddenly there'll be like five or six insiders buying at one of these community banks and those will be people, you know, or uh, banks I've never heard of. And I do sit up and take notice and I'm like, eh, why are there you know, six people buying in some random bank that I don't know about? And it'll turn out that they too have this really good earnings growth. The shares have sold off and are a lot cheaper. And those insiders in these banks know what the story is. They know how good the outlook is. So they get greedy and they buy in. So you can trust me on this too that no one is caring about any of these bank reports. Even even when um someone like Comerica or Western Alliance on the bigger side reports their earnings, it's pretty much dullsville out there. Um and so you as an investor are kind of going it alone. We have Zach's rank on many of the smaller banks, but Usually it's just because one analyst or maybe two analysts are covering them and that's why we, we can put the Zacks rank on there. We do have some earnings estimates, but you're really going to have to dig in a little deeper, look at their earnings reports, maybe listen in on their conference calls. And know that you're going to be going it alone a little bit. And it could be a little lonely trade there because it's been kind of lonely the last couple of years in a lot of these bank stocks. You had to really stick with your convictions here, as even we've had to do in the value investor owning JP Morgan for the last couple of years. It's been somewhat of a roller coaster. And we own some smaller banks as well. And those have also been volatile. But uh, Buffett's big investment in this group, and he's heavily weighting in it now, indicates that those of us who are value investors are on the right track. So the banks are cheap and they have solid fundamentals. Now, one way also to get into a bunch of the community banks, the smaller ones, if you don't have access to what kind of insider buying is going there, these insider signals that I was just talking about, is to buy the ETF. There is a First Trust NASDAQ Community Bank ETF. Its ticker is QABA. I know I've covered it before when I've covered the banks on the podcast, but it's been a while. So I had to go back and take a look to see what it's doing because I haven't looked at it in a while and I don't own it in my own portfolio yet. But year-to-date, shares are down 6%, and then in the October sell-off, when the banks did get hit pretty hard in October... This was down nearly 13% year-to-date. So that was a buying opportunity. Some people did go in because it has bounced off those lows. But the small banks were really oversold. I feel like they still are. So the ETF is a way to own a bunch of them, a whole basket of the small banks. And you won't see quite as much upside as if you buy the individual banks. But um, it's a lot less risky because you're buying the, the bunch of them. And um, it's just it's a little easier to manage in a personal investment portfolio than buying, say, five or 10 of these smaller banks because you need to buy a couple of them because you're rolling the dice. You don't really know for sure which of the banks is going to outperform with these smaller community banks. So you're going to need to be a little more diverse. And this kind of ETF gives you that diversity. So a few years ago, I wrote a Zacks Confidential. That's uh, one of the Zacks newsletters that goes out once a week. And I wrote it on the small cap banks and how this was going to be the trade of the decade. Well, that hasn't totally come to pass yet. I'm still waiting. Some of them are still struggling to gain traction. But investors keep ignoring this sector because even when Buffett Uh, when this 13F came out and it was revealed that Buffett had been buying even more banks and then he added to some of his other banking positions, uh, we got an initial day or two of a bump in like JP Morgan and PNC, and that was it. <laughs> and then it's it's been down or sideways ever since then. And so people have basically lost the story again that Buffett is buying all of these. So that's why value investors, those of us, we should be looking around in this group. I know it's boring. I know everybody's like, meh at the banks, they haven't done anything. Uh, much in the last couple of years, but stock rallies are usually led by financials historically. The last uh, numerous stock rallies, even 2007 was uh, fueled by the financial stocks. They're still a big sector, big part of the S&P 500, and they're a big part of the um, small cap, Russell 2000. If you look at the makeup of that, it's um, the biggest area industry in the Russell is the the small cap banks. So we need it, we need it to rally to continue on with this great bull market that we're seeing. So if the tech stocks, the growth tech names are kind of breaking down, maybe it's time for the financials to step in and we get the dual um great combination that is pretty rare of value stocks with you know solid value fundamentals. With growth, because again, this earnings growth for all these banks is going to be 30, 40, 50% over this two year time period, most likely. Uh, We don't know for sure what it'll do next year, but it could be even better. So, We're getting tremendous growth. We got the value. So we're getting that rare combination. And for a lot of them, you get a little bit of added bonus of the dividend, not in all the banks, but in most of them. So let's recap those stock tickers again, in case you're interested in in any of these banks. We had uh, JP Morgan, of course, JPM, PNC Financial, PNC, Bank of America's BAC. All of those are the ones Buffett, Old Buffett is adding. I would have hoped maybe Younger Buffett could have been in Comerica, CMA. Um, Then we had Western Alliance, WAL. You could also um, do the basket, QABA. And then if you're interested in that Buffalo Bank as well, that one is MTB. And that is also on the bigger side, though, with a market cap of $23 billion. Not quite as big, obviously, as J.P. Morgan or Bank of America, but it's not really a community bank either. But you might want to check that one out, too. So there's a lot going on in the banking sector. I've told my value investor um, subscribers that I could add even more banks to that portfolio. We already own a handful of them, but... I I love it. I love the sector and I've been eyeing a couple more, but I don't want to be too heavily weighted in the banks. But if you're looking for an area that is a value, again, with the growth component, banks are something you should be watching. So be sure to subscribe here at the Value Investor Podcast so you don't miss a single one of our podcasts. I'm going to be going over what to look for in 2019 over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be checking out where the value stocks are going to be going into the new year. So you don't want to miss a single episode. You can get us as a standalone show on Apple Podcasts. And we're also on Spotify as our own show. Or you can get the dual shows with the Market Edge on SoundCloud and on Apple. But uh, be sure to get us somewhere because you don't want to miss a single episode. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks.